Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. When we discuss Jordan Belfort, more commonly known as the Wolf of Wall Street here on the podcast, we mentioned some shady business going on at Red Granite, the production company that made the movie. We had said that an entire episode could be done on the scandal behind the five-time Oscar-nominated production company. All of those were for the Wolf of Wall Street, by the way. And that is precisely what we are here today to do. Hell yeah. Kind of. It turns out that the rabbit hole goes deeper than just red granite pictures and starts on the other side of the globe in Malaysia, where Riza Aziz, one of the founders of red granite pictures, had a stepdad that just so happened to be the prime minister. Today's tale touches on the Leonardo DiCaprio epic, but is rooted in how the government of Malaysia spent years stealing its people's money in what has been called one of the worst examples of kleptocracy ever. Billions were funneled out of the state-owned investment company One Malaysia Development Berhad, or 1MDB for short, and went not only to fund the likes of Dumb and Dumber 2, surprisingly no Academy Award nominations for that one for Red Granite, uh, but also jewelry, high-class apartments, super yachts, and directly into the pockets of the Prime Minister and his conspirators. So, let's dig into what is undoubtedly one of the largest scandals of the last decade. I did not realize that they made Dumb and Dumber and Wolf of Wall Street. Dumb and Dumber 2. Oh. Spelt T-O because it's dumb, dumb and, and dumber. dumber. Yeah. Uh, basically, those two. Oh, the other one that people might know that's also really stupid, Daddy's Home. They did Daddy's oh. Home. Not the sequel, though. Not Daddy's Home 2. Just That's the first the Adam, Daddy's Home. Adam Sandler? Close. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell and, um, uh, oh, shit, Mark Wahlberg. Oh! Yeah, well, yeah. Mark, War- Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is like the new, hot, sexy dad. And Will Ferrell is the, the old, harumpy, unsexy dad. And they fight over a kid's love. I haven't seen it, I'm just, but... That's yeah. probably the gist. I haven't seen it. The other guys was good, though. But Red Granite had nothing to do with it. No. See, that's why they made Daddy's Home, because they were trying to capitalize off of, like, well, they played really well together in the other guys. So let's let's make more, like, not buddy cop films, enemy not cop films, whatever. Hmm. So. Interesting. It, it, you know what? Honestly, though? I know we're on a segue about Daddy's Home right now. We shouldn't be, but whatever. Uh, Daddy's Home, pretty good box office hit. While doing the research for this, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that movie wasn't a horrendous flop. Had like a budget of 50 mil and brought in like over 200 mil or something. And I was like, oh, damn. Daddy's Home. Well, I mean, if the other guys, this was after the other guys, people probably wanted to go see it because of the other guys. Also good. They made... A sequel, which I'm pretty sure had Mel Gibson in it, because oh, then okay. they brought their dads into into the sequel. Hollywood's stupid. 
but and then I forget who played like John Lithgow or something played the other dad. Hmm. Mel Gibson was like the cool badass and probably still anti-Semitic dad, you know, just like Mel Gibson. Yeah, Um, sounds like Mel Gibson. So welcome back, everyone, to another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. I'm Kashan. And I'm Nina. And we're here to talk to you today, not just about uh, Daddy's Home. (laughs) Daddy's Home. Actually, this is just a podcast about shitty movies. Yeah. So uh, buckle in. Next, we're talking about The Room. The Room. You ever seen The Room? With Brie Larson? No, no, not with Blue, not with Brie Larson. Uh, with Tommy Wiseau, it's highly regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. Is it worse than Velocipaster? Um, I would. You know what? Yeah, probably. It's terrible. I, Velocipaster I, was really bad. I have a copy of the Room on DVD. I'll give it to you. You just watch it, and then you can tell me. All right. But it's highly regarded. Once again, another tangent. But we're not here just to talk about bad movies. <laughs> Uh, we are here to talk about financial crime. Yeah. It, it is what we do here. Yeah. And today we're talking about one MDB, which I will not say the full name again in this episode. So go back to the intro if you want to hear it. You don't need to know. It's not IMDB. I was just going to say it sounds like IMBD. So so we're talking about movies, but in one MDB, not IMDB. Don't get it confused. But IMDB is about movies, but not about these movies, even though there are IMDB pages for these movies. So one MBD. One MBD. One, one mega Malaysia. Dick. One mega big dick. Plus, yeah. Yeah, it's that. It's that. You get you can get you can get a one M <laughs> MDB in between those NFTs, and we'll just we'll go from there. Uh so but to get started with one MDB, we don't start talking about them. Uh it actually started. With a reporter for the New York Times who was doing some investigating into foreign countries buying up property for potential nefarious deeds in the newspaper's hometown of New York, New York. While looking through deeds bought for upscale properties, she came across a deed for an apartment for a penthouse in Time Warner Center. The address, 80 Columbus Circle, that was claimed to have been bought by a company. That company's name? 80 Columbus Circle, hmm. parentheses NYC, LLC, for around $30.5 million. Now, obviously, this is somewhat shady. The company name is just address, parentheses city, LLC. But what is even shadier is that with a little bit of digging, the investigative reporter found many more deeds bought by companies with the same name formatting. How would... I mean, it's not illegal to do that, but it's it's weird. It is weird. And it's weird that it would be allowed. Yeah, I mean, some people do stuff like this, I feel, and I don't know for sure, but like to incorporate, to like put it onto a business account to keep the assets separate from them. So like if they have to, if the business goes bankrupt or something it doesn't reflect on them like if they just lose their house it doesn't reflect on their personal finances just on the business's finances it's shady and loophole for sure but i could see a reason why people would be incentivized to do it because they get benefits like that from loopholes heard so this investigative reporter uh started searching each one for a name somewhere on these deeds but they all just pointed back to these companies she couldn't figure it out she kept coming up empty multiple times but finally she found one that listed a point of contact, and it happened to be none other than Riza 
Aziz, who owned Red Granite Pictures. Now, something fishy was going on, and, and just like any good investigative journalist, she headed straight to the source to find some answers and wormed her way into a release party for Riza Aziz's new big hit, The Wolf of Wall Street. At the party, Riza was rubbing elbows with the common folk while Leo and other actors hung out in the VIP area, which the journalist could not enter. But I bet his teenage girlfriend was there. Oh, yeah. Which one at this point? He just, yeah, right. He just gets a new one every year. He's like, you're 21? Mm-mm. Ew, gross. You can drink now? Yeah, if you can come into a bar with me, then I don't want to come in you. Uh, you, know? you know? Like, gross. Couldn't imagine it. Oh, God. They start to spoil after 21. That's true. Yeah. It's all downhill. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after 21, what good is a woman? You know? She's becoming less and less fertile every year. You should just get rid of them. Honestly. As soon as you turn 22, just in the incinerator. Yeah, I'm... T- I just use them to make babies. That's it. Like, you know. Just, just so hand, hands made tail them is, is what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. As Great. soon as Good they idea. turn 22, Good they've idea. turned rotten. <laughs> I've been expired for nine years. No, women are a lot like fruit like that. Yeah? Yeah. So I've heard. Yeah. They don't age like fine With wine. my biology. I, th- that's a Is whole, that what they teach you? That, yeah, that women just like. You know the silhouette of a woman on a women's bathroom? Mm-hmm. It's that, and then an equal sign, and then just like a bowl of fruit, <laughs> and that's most of biology textbooks, actually. So, yeah, rotting. Yeah, yeah. so just lots of spots and see your eyes. See, you're getting it. Uh, <laughs> uh, not women getting thrown out, not fruit, uh, but someone else, a slightly chubby guy in a suit who was doling out crystal champagne like it was going out of style. When she inquired who this man was, other partygoers answered that that was Joe Lowe, the real money behind Red Granite Pictures. None of them knew how he gained his massive wealth, but they were all sure he had it, as he had gotten a reputation around the city for spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with his entourage when he would hit the club. Ooh. Trying to... Flex. Like, literally, club owners would, like, contact him to try to get him to come to their club because Just of how much, money, how much he money he spent. That's insane. Like, $10,000 bottle after $10,000 bottle. Like, all night. It was wild. And Riza may have been the stepson of the Malaysian prime minister, whose name is Najib Razak. We'll get back to that. Uh, but who was this mogul? Who, by the way, is in his late 20s at this point. He's, like, 28. Who is this guy that was the real money man? You literally have the stepson of a, like a foreign leader, but this guy's the money behind the whole thing? He was also probably the one funding the real estate that the investigative reporter looked into. He had to be. So who exactly is Joe Lowe? Despite having a really awesome rhyming name. Joe Low. I feel like that's a good rap name. Everybody get Joe Low, 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 Low. Yeah, I think that's what that song is about. I'm um, pretty sure it is. He actually was, believe it or not, wearing the Apple Reeboks with the, jeans and the Reeboks with the straps. So it must have been about him at this party. Oh, it's Reeboks with the straps. Yeah, thought it was like, Reeboks with the stripes. No, it's like Velcro straps. Uh, Reeboks don't have stripes. Oh, well, that's why I was Adidas confused. have stripes. I know. That's why I was confused. Well, With the Reeboks and the straps. With the straps. It's a weird way to say stripes. Um, 
Well, despite his propensity to throw money around, uh, he didn't come from an uber-wealthy family. He only came from a kind of wealthy family. Uh, He was the third of three kids to uh, Malaysian Chinese parents. And his family, once again, was definitely wealthy, just not like billions upon billions rich that you would need to be able to just like toss down $100,000 in a club like on a normal basis. Um he did, of course, still benefit from the silver spoon in his mouth uh, when he was sent off to the storied Harrow School in London, a boys' school that has educated seven British prime ministers, including Winston Churchill. Damn. And is also part of one of the oldest cricket matches ever played. And other such fun facts that you can find on Wikipedia about Harrow School. Uh, it was here... That he got to see what real wealth was like as he gained an education with literal sons of royalty from across the world, uh, including many Middle Eastern princes. And he also developed a lot of ties there as well. Uh, He met and formed a relationship with Riza Aziz here as well, because that is where Riza Aziz also went to school. I find it so interesting um, how many children of royalty are shipped off to boarding schools. Yeah, I guess this is, like, a popular place to do it, too. Like, if you're gonna send your kid to a boarding school, like, Harrow School is, like, one of the ones you'd choose. Like, he met the crown prince of, like, Saudi Arabia here. And they, like, grew up together. Can you imagine... So weird. imagine rubbing elbows with with a prince? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. That was... Yeah, that's weird. So, he did. And Jolo continued his prestigious education when he went to the Warden School of Business in Pennsylvania after Harrow School, which is widely regarded as one of the best business schools in the world. So he used his connections after graduating to lump together money uh, into an investment group to buy a luxury high-rise apartment building in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Investors in the group included powerful people close to the royalty of the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi. And by 20... And by 2010, Joe had consolidated everything into an investment firm, Ginwell Capital, where he continued growing his wealth through high-end real estate deals, but also moved into other spheres of music producing, uh, energy, and as we know, Lowe also funded movies through Red Granite Pictures. Uh, Joe Lowe also had ties with a Malaysian company. You might recognize it, 1MDB. And what is 1MDB? Well, It's a sovereign wealth fund set up by the Malaysian government in 2009 to invest in securities to raise wealth for an economy that saw over 22% of its people in poverty. Wow. So this was kind of weird. I don't know. I don't think we have anything like this in America just because our economy is so strong. But it's literally a company that is like an investment firm or like a hedge fund. But they do it on behalf of the government to like raise money for the government, like for the country. It was really weird. Hmm. I, I guess it was popular like a while ago, but it's not as common nowadays, I think. But I don't know. I don't know. The setting up of 1MDB came as a part of a sweeping reform by Riza Aziz's stepdad, the PM, Najib, uh, the son of a previous Malaysian prime minister, by the way, Najib, uh, born into it like they always are. Um And he was highly regarded and noted for his economic liberalism, allowing foreign investors into a country that for a very long time had tightly kept all investing uh, in the country internal. They didn't let any foreign investors come in and invest in the country because they were uh, were afraid of, I don't know, the influence they would have over it. Um, 
1MDB was another way that foreign financial institutions could invest in the country by lending them money. And although Joe Lowe had never held an official title at 1MDB, he was pulling the strings behind everything that they did. And I'd like to point out that, once again, Joe Lowe, he, he had all of that investments in real estate and high-end apartments. That is still not enough money. <laughs> To be able to do, do what he all was this doing. Stuff, yeah. He was spending ridiculously lavishly. We're going to get into a little more of the details later, but there was a lot more on top of just like going out to the club and buying $30 million penthouses. Um, so, 1MDB first came under public scrutiny when it invested $1 billion in the Saudi Arabian company known as Petra Saudi. Now, of course, Saudi Arabia is a very rich country. Uh, primarily because of its oil reserves. So a company called Petro Saudi sounds like a pretty strong addition to Malaysia's portfolio. But if you were to do some digging, the company was less than a year old at the time of the investment. Interesting. And the owner was a 32-year-old nobody who had only appeared on Google in the last few years. He was literally less Googleable than either of us. Interesting. Which is I do think I'm the sad. first one to pop up, though. What? When you type in Nina Kern. Nina Kern? Well, how many Nina Kerns are there? Quite a few in Europe. Really? There are no other Kashan Battledores. So oh, I am, shocking. So I am the first one to pop up. Yeah. Uh, you know, less competition. That's how I thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fish, small ponds, you know? <laughs> so uh, also Petra Saudi was incorporated in the Cayman Islands, so not very Saudi of Petra Saudi. Uh, and it's just kind of not a good look. That's shady when you see a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands. It means they're already trying to dodge taxes. Um, and this was also one of the first large investments of 1MDB outside of Malaysia. So this is their first foray into outside countries, and this is what they chose. Obviously, people in Malaysia were a little bit skeptical of this. Um Primarily, they had only invested in the real estate sector and inside the country because they're funneling money back into the country. Um, they then divested their stake in Petra Saudi for notes backed by the company, which is also kind of shady. They basically said, we don't want any of the business equity anymore. We don't want to own any of the business, but we still want you to be the ones that pay us. So them getting their money still relies on Petra Saudi being a company and being able to pay those notes out later, but they don't want to own any part of the company anymore. Hmm, it's a weird, it's a weird move basically. And once again, the Malaysian people were critical of it as they should have been. Um, but as it turns out, one MDB hardly ever made actual deals to begin with. So this could be seen as good almost because they actually invested in a company, even though it was like fraught, with nepotism and, uh, you know, Jolo kind of like knew some people who were higher ups in Petra Saudi and they think that's why they invested $1 billion in it. Um, but IMDb usually just didn't invest their money anywhere. And the money that was flowing into it, which is from the taxpayers of Malaysia, I might add, was instead used to pay for luxuries for the prime minister, Jolo and everyone around them. When money would enter the company, it would be funneled out through a series of wire transfers to shell companies 
that were actually controlled by the Prime Minister, Joe Lowe, and many of their their accomplices, some of which resided right here in the United States. Of course. Uh, Primarily, that was in the form of two traders at Goldman Sachs by the name of Tim Leisner and Roger Ng. When one MDB looked to raise more money, they did so with three bond offerings in 2012 and 2013, set up by Goldman Sachs and headed up by the two traders. Leisner and mm. but people began to think something was fishy because Goldman Sachs was set to receive an exorbitant fee for the transaction, ten percent. They were set to receive six hundred million dollars on six billion dollars worth of bond issuance. Which, to put that in perspective, the normal fee range is like one to two percent on things. Wow! Like this. So it's like ten, like five to ten times the size of what a fee normally is. Um, and internal co- communications were later re- released that showed the brokers received the high fees because they orchestrated bribes to Malaysian and UAE uh, United Arab Emirates officials where the bonds were also purchased to continue to get business for Goldman Sachs. So the fee was high so they could get kickbacks to then pay People even at 1MDB to kind of keep quiet about Mm -hmm. what was going on. So they're bribing people with this money. Love that. We'd love to see it. And the bankers received extra kickbacks in the form of wire transfers to shell companies mentioned earlier that they were actually in control of. Uh, In addition, of course, they they gained notoriety at the business and bonuses from the company uh, resulting from their acquisitions because Goldman Sachs got a large part of that fee, so they gave them a lot of bonuses on top. Now, Roger Ng was a mid-level manager, but Tim Leisner was a partner at Goldman Sachs and was actually the director of their entire Asian division. What a sneaky bastard. So he was high up, and he was still like, you know... You can't trust banks. And this is just another example of you can't trust them. They're shysty as hell. Um, According to the U.S. Department of Justice, in total from the three bond deals, almost half of the money, $2.7 billion, was misappropriated to Leisner or others. And the biggest beneficiary was Joe Lowe. Joe Lowe took over $1 billion just from the third bond issuance. And it was directed to him, once again, through a shell company. And he used this money to purchase some highly exorbitant items, including the the penthouse mentioned earlier. He also bought what amounts to a floating house, a 300-foot super yacht entitled Equanimity. Oh, my God. That is crewed by 30 people. That's a lot of people just for your yacht. Yeah. And let's put this in perspective. I was in someone's apartment the other day that was 350 square feet. Humble brag. Okay. So it's not a very big house, but that's a giant. Yeah. Wait, 350 square feet? Yes. That's it? Apartment. Oh, I thought you said more. Uh, Yeah, that's like a third of the size of mine, actually. Yeah, it was not a very big apartment, but that's a big ass yacht. Yeah, 300, and that's square feet. So, like, 300, that's, I'm pretty sure, and I don't know this for sure, but when they say it's 300 feet, I think that's from like stern to aft. That's like front to back. Stern to aft. Stern to aft, you know? Uh, Look at the aft on that thing. Yep. Except for fancy. Look at the aft on that thing. Perfect. Yes. Knocked it out of the park. Yes. Um, 
In addition to this, he also bought a huge $39 million mansion in LA just down the road from his good friend Leo Decap, where he would throw huge parties. And speaking of huge parties, he also dropped at least $100 million on a birthday party in Las Vegas, where he hired 250 models to be the servers, uh, doling out, once again, bottles of Cristal. This man loved Cristal, and he took it all took place in a huge circus tent with a literal Ferris wheel inside, carnival games, and a full arcade. Hey, that sounds fun as fuck. I'm sure it I'm was. I'm not going to lie. That sounds super fun. Until you realize all the money for it was stolen from poor people in another country. That's true. Um, the party also had a star-studded guest list, including Kanye West, Jamie Foxx, Paris Hilton, and many more. These people hung out with him often, by the way. There are many pictures of Paris Hilton partying with Joe Lowe and Kanye West and Jamie Foxx performed at one of the like premieres for red granite pictures. Oh no, they performed at a fundraising event for red granite pictures. What? And I like, there were some interviews with people who were there and they literally were like, they didn't know who red granite was. So they were like, how did they get all this money? Like Kanye West came out to like perform for like three minutes and they were like, and then Jamie Foxx came out with them and they were like, it's like, 20 million dollars right there yeah just for them to be there to do that huh i wonder if him and paris hilton never hooked up Ugh. i feel bad for paris yeah supposedly she's smarter than than, than she lets on oh i'm sure i guess she has like a genius level like you well it is those people who lack common sense well she said that she actually supposedly she says she that she was playing a character most of the time, but she did a lot of cocaine. So and I think, you know, I've heard Steve-O, he tells a story about doing cocaine with Paris Hilton. So I, I don't know that story. I believe him. Oh, um, I, yeah, absolutely. Additionally, Joe used the money to pay off gambling debts in the city of Las Vegas and purchased a bombardier jet for $35 million. These are a lot of big purchases, all right? Uh, Joe also wired $238 million to Red Granite, uh, $100 million of which was said to directly go to funding the Wolf of Wall Street, which was like a large part of the budget, honestly. Yeah. So, At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Uh, just one rogue actor stealing from the taxpayers is bad. But Jolo wasn't the only one benefiting from this whole scheme. The leader of the country, Najib Kazak, was also bleeding the taxpayers for millions. Jolo wired the prime minister $681 million that had been siphoned from 1MDB in the weeks leading up to a re-election bid, which Najib did end up winning. Now, Najib was a rich man, but he was seen spending above his means often. And this was noted by the public. Like when he spent uh, over $130,000 in a Chanel store in Honolulu for jewelry for his wife, Rosma, who I'm I'm sorry, but she beat to hell. In the picture I put on there, 
at the end of the outline. That's it. She's got this huge ass, really hilarious hair. Like it's big. Like, why do old rich ladies like have like they, they feel love big hair? They feel a need to just make their hair as big as possible. They do. They really, really do. And you, the problem with this whole thing is, just, I don't know. I don't know how you sleep at night, like knowing that your country is like so many people in your country are suffering, and then you just go spend that much money on jewelry. And it's not even your money. <laughs> That's yeah. yours. It's not your yeah, money. Because it's like, I almost understand when these billionaires who have their own companies who still are doing shitty things steal, but this is like direct taxpayer money. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. They were literally just bleeding out money from the government. Yeah. Also, when, when he went to buy all of this jewelry at the, the Chanel store, Something went wrong with the card that he was using that was like tied to the account where all the money was funneled funneled into. And later text came out kind of solidifying the connection between Jolo and Najib, where he had Najib messaged Jolo being like, Something's wrong with my card. It's not working. Uh and they fixed it and he still got to buy the jewelry. But but so they they had some internal documentation that obviously shows that they funneled all this money to him and he was using it for not the best things. Uh, and the prime minister's wife sure loved jewelry uh, because the Goldman Sachs bankers also bought her a seven million dollar necklace with money once again stolen from one MDB. And also later, some internal texts came out. Where they were saying, like, we need to get the, you know, we need to buy a gift for them mm-hmm. for this business they're giving us. Because they're a, spending that much money? A $7 million necklace was the gift that they bought. In 2015, documents leaked showing the $681 million transfer to Najib. And obviously, people were kind of upset. Uh, however, an internal investigation by the Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission confirmed later that no funds from 1MDB were transferred to Najib. Great. But by this point, 1MDB was already on the downswing. They had so much debt that their bonds were downgraded to junk rating, and they had faced even more calls for transparency because they had changed their auditor four times in the past three years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They had also filed for an extension on releasing their end of year financials publicly, which just kind of all of that doesn't look good separately. Together looks much worse. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Najib even called for a public audit of the company, you know, just to prove that nothing was going on. But at the conclusion of the audit, the report was made confidential and not released to the public. So the whole thing was redacted anyway. So in 2016, the FBI started its investigation into Goldman Sachs and their bankers funneling money out of 1MDB. And although you might think Malaysia, in order to fuel a kleptocracy like this, must not be very democratic, for the last few decades at this point, they actually had been. So an investigation was also underway into the prime minister in Malaysia. Good. By the attorney general. Uh, Things started to get worse for Najib as in 2018, the Department of Justice 
filed a civil suit naming the Goldman Sachs bankers and Jolo directly, although they did not name Najib directly in the filing. The filing referred instead to a person known as Malaysian Official One, which sure sounded a lot like Najib. Because he would be number one in the country. And he's an official, right? Uh, They also mentioned someone who was a close relative to Malaysian Official One who received money to fund movies. Which sure sounds a lot like Riza Aziz. Yeah. You know, the puzzle pieces, this is one of those, like, small puzzle pieces, puzzles you put together when you were, like, five. There's, like, ten pieces. You know, it's pretty easy to plug them in. Um, With pressure growing around him, Najib faced protesters in the streets and and investigations against him in his government. And decided to crack down as one final measure, trying to save himself. He fired the attorney general, who was almost definitely filing arrest papers for him at this moment, and replaced him with another person who was a sycophant who cleared him of wrongdoing in regards to the wire transfer issues. He like appointed the person who cleared him of like, oh, that six hundred eighty-one million definitely didn't come from one MDB. He appointed that guy as the attorney general in the other person's place. Um, Najib couldn't fight the people, however, as 2018 was an election year, and the prime minister, who had been in power for nine years at this point, was on the campaign trail. But without confidence behind him, he lost the bid to a previous prime minister, Mahathir Muhammad, who has his own skeletons that I won't get into. I'm sure. But Mahathir... Mahathir Mohammed ran under a different party. And at this point in Malaysia, the same party had held the position of prime minister for 60 years. That's insane. Najib fucked up so bad that he ended six decades of single party control in the country. Wow. So in other words, he wasn't very popular. So with fire flight kicking in and too many to fight, Najib tried to pack up his belongings and immediately board a private jet out of Malaysia after losing the election. But he was barred by police just before takeoff. They got him. And from his possession, this is crazy, from his possession, they seize dozens of boxes containing jewelry and $17 million alone in handbags. Wow. $17 million In handbags. Just handbags. They also seized enough cash that it took 26 workers with cash counting machines three days to surmise the final total of $114 million in cash. Oh my God. In cash. In cash. In boxes that he was trying to flee the country with after losing the election. Idiot. So, Najib, obviously, was taken into prison on July 3rd, 2018, and charged with six counts of money laundering, corruption, and abuse of power. On July 28th, 2020, he was convicted on all counts, the first Malaysian prime minister to be convicted of corruption. Although, as I mentioned, Many more probably could have. Corruption's a big thing in Malaysia. Uh, And he was sentenced to 12 years in prison and ordered to pay a fine equivalent to 48 million U.S. dollars. And if he cannot pay the fine, then he will serve an extra five years in addition to his 12 years. Well, didn't he have it in cash? 
I think they took that. Ah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're like, they let them have it back. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. In that case, that'd be a net win. That would be a win. I, You know what? You might be able to convince me to spend 12 years in prison for what would that be? Like, quick math, quick math, like 60, 63 million dollars. 12 years is a long time. I know, but I'd get out. You know, I'd be, uh, what would I be? I'd be 30 Maybe forty. For, was it at forty with uh with that that many millions? Yeah, I mean you could easily live the rest like just invest it and then just live the rest of your life comfortably. I could work out in prison, just get like Jack. Super fucking hot. Get get some of those like uh those pen tattoos. Mm-hmm. Make a tattoo stick gun out of a pen, yeah. It'd be great. I had a student one time who had a stick and poke tattoo on her on her ankle and it said lit. Nice. And I was like, that is there forever. Nice stick and pokes, popular not only among prisoners but hipsters now too. So yes, you know, and high school students. Which what are what are high school students but young hipsters? hipsters. Yeah. Uh, so in America, however, Tim Leisner pleaded guilty to counts of money laundering and actually flipped and testified against Roger Ng. No loyalty. Uh, at his 2022 trial. Leisner has not yet been sentenced, but he faces up to 25 years in prison and was ordered to pay a $43 million fine. Uh, Roger Ng, however, pleaded not guilty, but just at the end of last year was convicted on counts of money laundering. And But sentencing is actually set for later this month. So if I hear about that, we'll update you guys. Although he faces up to 30 years in prison. Ooh, fuck. He will probably get more. I, I'd assume that he'll get somewhere around eight and Tim Leisner will get somewhere around like two or three because he cooperated Mm -hmm. and then they'll both get out early but whatever um red granite pictures was not hit with criminal proceedings actually malaysia just dropped a lawsuit against riza aziz not too long ago um finally putting it to rest but they were ordered to pay a 60 million dollar fine without admitted admitting wrongdoing for the parts of their movies that were funded with stolen money uh as for joe lowe he disappeared, and at the right time, and has been on the run ever since 2018. What? Another fugitive, just like Wirecard, which yeah. I checked back on that guy. They still do not have him. What? He is still on the lam. So, mm-hmm. so now we have another international financial criminal who is on the run. And at one point, reporters actually found the equanimity, like docked off a Malaysian city, uh, but once they had been discovered, like they were following them, they knew they were found out and they like left in the night and then turned off their location. So shady. shady. Um, however, the Indonesian government did find and seize the super yacht. So they got to like, they did recover the asset from the super yacht and sold it and like gave the money back to the Malaysian people. Um, although when they, when they found the boat, Joe was not aboard. Shocking. So either someone tipped him off or he had already left it because I'm pretty sure that like when the boat just like fucked off when the journalist found it, he had to be there. Oh, I'm sure he was. Like, why would they yeah. do that otherwise? Right. Right. But it is what it is. Jolo is believed to be harbored openly in China currently, although Malaysia has issued an Interpol red alert on the wanted fugitive. Um, They said that. They're pretty sure that he's staying at, like, the home of, like, a Chinese politician. Probably paid him off. Yeah, I also, I 
wanted to look into it a little bit. It didn't seem like there was a lot of tension between China and Malaysia. I don't know. But that's how like this got me thinking. And maybe there is and I'm just ignorant of it, but why are they why are they openly harboring someone who stole maybe, so much money from the Malaysian government? Maybe it's one of his friends from school. That's true. He is he is well connected. I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the U.S. has returned hundreds of millions of dollars back to the Malaysian people for the money that was stolen and spent here, including seizing $25 million worth of jewelry from one of Jolo's girlfriends. One of Jolo's girlfriends. Yeah. One. One. Yeah. While I have none. No girlfriends? No girlfriend, no boyfriend, no nothing. Get on it. Well, I mean, if I someone... I can't get on it because I don't have one. If someone gave you a $25 million necklace, you'd, you'd have a boyfriend. I don't care what they look like. You're dating that man. We all Probably. know. We all know you're a gold digger. You've said it multiple times. I would love to be a gold digger. See, that's what I'm Taking saying. Taking applications right now. Oh my god! If you're rich, you know. So they took it from Jolo's girlfriend, and they also seized a Picasso and a Basquiat that had been given to Leonardo DiCaprio. Dang! Can you imagine acting so good? Someone gives you an original Picasso. No, I can't. I cannot. So I mean, good thing for Leo DiCap, I guess. Bad thing for me. Um. So. That's kind of where we stand. The Wolf of Wall Street might be held in a favorable opinion by critics and fans here in America. But in Malaysia, it is a disgusting symbol of what their own government did. It is a tale of excess, debauchery, and theft that the Malaysian people see with a sort of irony. Because the movie was made with stolen funds from them. Joe Lowe was almost exactly like Jordan Belfort in the movie. Plundering to buy boats, women, and alcohol, but this time directly from taxpayers. Truly, as we said at the beginning, a kleptocracy at its worst. Corruption in Malaysia is almost as thick as it is here in Chicago, of where it is quite thick. With many other instances in Malaysia to point to, but we'll leave that research to you. For now, we rest easy knowing at least that Najib is in jail, and his wife Rosma is on the way. She's in court right now. She deserves to be there. Tell me she didn't know what was going on. She knew. Oh, you're just buying you're just buying me hundreds of millions of dollars of jewelry. Could it be stolen from the people? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh and Leisner and mm, hopefully headed there themselves. And one day, may they hunt down Joe Lowe. Because he was the worst offender of them all. And that's it. That's it. So that's the story of one MDB, the company, the country company that stole billions of dollars out of, I think they said somewhere around $10 billion was fun. Like in the end was funneled out of IMDB because or one MDB. <laughs> God damn it. It's so hard not to say it. Because uh, we talked just about the the stock offerings, but they were also just like pulling money out of it directly anyway, and just like funnel like like using wire transfers out of the company to to get money out. So they basically did no real business. It was just set up to fund these people's lives. That's it's horrible. And they took the money and ran. Oh my god, a hundred million dollar birthday party. It's it's like it's just greed 
and excess just to the extreme. It's disgusting. No, it is. You know, how, like you said, how do these people sleep? How do they live knowing that everything they're doing, how do you enjoy it? I don't know. How do you enjoy drinking $10,000 champagne when you know, you know that all of the money is just stolen from your people? It's gross. It's disgusting. It's gross. These people are gross. They're awful human beings. Most of the people we talk about are. But yeah, it's just decadence and exuberance just to the worst. So don't be like them. And you know what they want to do? And a really good way to not be like them. Is to follow us on social media? Yes, because they want to do that. They're selfish. They're never going to do that. So follow us on our socials. Maybe at uh, Facebook at White Collars Red Hands. Instagram at White Collars underscore Red Hands. I had to remember, okay? Uh, Twitter at White Collars Pod. Uh, You can also follow us on TikTok, White Collars Red Hands. You can visit our website. That's whitecollarsredhands.com. You can check out our merch through there. Little tab says check out our merch. Go there. Buy a hoodie like Nina's wearing. Matches our little logo right here at the bottom of the right here at the bottom of the video. Uh, you you can buy one yourself. You can also buy a shirt, a mug, stickers. Stickers are pretty cool. I got them on a couple of things. Um, you can also support us for free by leaving us a review. You can write a review with words if it so pleases you. You're able to speak words. Or you don't even have to be able to speak words. You can be mute. As long as you can type them out, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So you can go ahead and go do that. You can leave us a rating out of five stars. So if you know how to count from one to five, it'd be better if you only know how to count five. That's what we take. Uh, You can do that on Apple Podcasts and you can also leave us a rating that way on Spotify. Uh, But just like, subscribe, or follow us on whatever podcatcher you use. That's totally fine. Um... I know there's more. I'm missing something. Tell a friend. Oh, yeah. You should tell. that. That's actually the best thing to do is if you could just, like, recommend us. If you really do like us, just, like, hopefully you're already doing this. But just, like, talk about us. Recommend us to a friend when they ask for podcasts. And that's totally dope. Uh, And you can also send us suggestions. That's a good one, too. You can send us feedback directly if you don't want to write it in public. That's cool. Send us a message, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Suggest uh, an episode. Like I said, we do a fan-submitted episode every season. So maybe you could be next season. Season 11 uh, would be next season. So get that in. We'll probably be coming up with those. What episode is this? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think that we have three more. All right. Well, anyways, it's coming up soon. So send them now so we can start thinking about them for next season. And with that, I think that's about it. So we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red Red Hands. Hands.